What is up, Crush Crew? I'm Bernadette Joy, your favorite rich auntie and your host of the Crush Your Money Goals podcast. Since starting in 2018, I've paid off $300,000 of debt, built my first million dollars of net worth, and grew from this podcast to a full financial education company that just crossed its first half million dollars in revenue. And along the way, I've met some incredible thought leaders and experts in the fields of personal finance, career, and entrepreneurship. And you will have the joy of meeting one of my favorite people as this season's co-host. Hola, hola. I'm Stephanie Gonzalez, the founder of the Women's Wealth Effect, where I focus my time as an investing and career coach to help women like you reach financial independence with confidence. I'm also a debt-free millionaire after paying off over $420,000 in debt and now live in Portugal with my amazing husband and two children after 15 years climbing the corporate ladder in the global tech industry. Thanks to the investing and career knowledge, I am so passionate about sharing with you. Welcome to season six of Crush Your Money Goals, The Women's Wealth Effect. Hey, everybody, it's Bernadette. And it's Stephanie. And we are back for another episode on a topic that we both feel very passionately about, that we often get a lot of questions, and it's about real estate. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Lisbon to talk about real estate. Yes, we are actually recording this episode live from Lisbon in (laughs) Steph's wonderful rental apartment, which we'll talk about as well. But we wanted to talk about real estate in particular because it has been a big contributor for both of our net worths and a big reason how we and our husbands have become millionaires in our thirties. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to share all of the, all of the tea, spill all the tea on how that happened and how you might be able to leverage real estate to grow your net worth. Yep. Yep. Let's do it. Yes. So first thing I want to talk about is just how real estate contributed to both of our net worths. And so I'll throw this to Stephanie first of just, you know, what's the story? What's the background on how real estate fit into your strategy and growing your wealth? Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, at the beginning, I don't think we had a very clear strategy. But what we did know is we didn't want to buy too much house for what we could afford. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we- Which is very rare because yeah. when we are young and starting families, the first thing you decide to do is get a big house, right? Yeah. yeah. And we were in this interesting situation. Joseph was toying with the idea of leaving his career per se and going into entrepreneurship full-time. So we had that on our radar and I had the stable corporate job. And so in our minds, we were thinking about, well, we'll buy a home where one of us can actually really support the house, the mortgage, and us not feel like we needed both of our incomes to actually purchase that home, which was great, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And just for context, where were you living at this time? We were living in the Austin area. We chose to purchase in Georgetown, which if you're familiar with booming Austin, Georgetown's in Williamson County. Mm -hmm. It's one of the fastest growing counties in the United States. Mm -hmm. And that's because, you know, Tesla, Samsung, Dell, all these tech companies are there. And so they're acquiring talent. People need a place to live. Mm -hmm. And there's tons of land in Texas, so you can continue to build and expand. We left Austin in 2018, and I know it is a completely different place, like Georgetown. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so in our minds, we were like, well, we're going to move further out of Austin because it's where we could afford. But at the same time, it was a big growing county, and we knew that there was a really high potential for appreciation on the home. Mm-hmm. So we weren't going to be in a risk risky situation. Um, so when we were thinking about it, we were thinking about, okay, her- where do we want to live that we can afford is there the potential for appreciation? 
And if we decided ever to rent, would we be able to rent this home? Right. The first home we bought would have been a perfect rental. I actually wish we would have kept the home. Mm-hmm. I was so risk adverse that I couldn't fathom having a second mortgage when we moved right. into our second home. And so I kind of just put that off the table. Now looking at where we are, I'm glad we made that decision because we became landlords with our second house when mm-hmm. we got asked to move to Singapore. Mm-hmm. So I tell people we came la- we became landlords by default, mm-hmm. not through purpose, but it, it happened to work out for us just because, again, we chose to buy in an area that was growing. We've always bought new homes, not the biggest new home in the new right. development, but the starter home in the development, and it served us well. And so, yeah, that's really how we were able to take advantage of both the appreciation side and then eventually the rental side of the income equation. I love that. And uh, we have a lot of similarities in that regard. And uh, AJ and I, we did choose to become landlords in the beginning. And so interestingly, when we bought our first home together in Charlotte, North Carolina, which now is uh, this year was named like the most overpriced market (laughs) in the U.S. by Zillow. Yeah. You know, back then, uh, we had just moved from New York City. And first off, we were just like, oh, my gosh, everything feels so cheap here compared yeah. to New York City. Yes. And we had, at the time, got it approved for a mortgage of, like, $250,000, which in New York City would have bought nothing. Sure. And in Charlotte, we could have bought, like, a four-bedroom, mm-hmm. 2,800-square-foot mm-hmm. home. Instead, AJ and I chose to buy a 1,200-square-foot uh, home a townhouse, two bedroom, two bathroom for $101,000, which sounds wow. insane to me now, right? Yeah. Like, so if some of you are about to turn off this episode and be like, girl, there is no, there's nowhere you can buy something like that, you know, keep listening in on because what ended up happening, and I think this still applies going forward, is that similar to you, we mm-hmm. decided to buy the home based off of AJ's income, sure. knowing that I was, so I was Joseph mm-hmm. in this scenario. I was thinking about going to leave my job, my full time job. And so we bought based off of what he could afford, even if I had no job. And we decided to do it on a 10-year mortgage instead of a 30-year mortgage, which would have been very similar to the 30-year payment on the $250,000 home. And so uh, when we first bought that home, we were thinking, like, we definitely want to rent this out. Mm -hmm. And you did the smart move because what ended up happening was that we bought that home. And then less than a year later, we found the home that we really liked that we wanted to live in to rent out the first place. And then I decided to go back to school, get my MBA. And now we had two mortgages mm-hmm. with one income mm-hmm. and I was freaking yeah. out. So long story short, and we'll talk more about it, it all worked out. Sure. But uh, we did have the intent of starting out as landlords and it it kind of morphed into a, a different journey. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I think you try to go in with these foundational principles to not let the like the rails go too far off. And I think your spidey senses were really kicking in whenever you realized like, oh my gosh, two mortgages. And even if we probably could have afforded the two, I still would have not felt super comfortable just because if I am not going into the situation as a landlord by choice, then that means I haven't done all the vetting of the numbers and what really makes sense. And I'm a math person and I would need that validation before saying like, I'm going to go all in on two mortgages. Mm -hmm. Oh no, totally. And I think a lot of people don't go in with as much of that math sense in mind, especially if you're buying something with the thought of it being your primary residence. And it mm-hmm. sounds like both of us had bought these residents, at least with the in the back of our mind, thinking that we sure. might rent them out sure. later yeah. on. I mean, at the time, we weren't thinking of being as mobile as we are now. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. we were going to have our kids in that house. And, you know, we actually were planning on doing all those things. And then all of a sudden, Dell came to me and said, 
hey, can you guys move to Singapore? So, you know, six months later after we bought our second house, oh my God. we were asked to move. So yeah, it was, uh, things can change very quickly <laughs> and you just have to remind yourself of that. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So let's go to the second question. There are some things that we've done either traditionally or not traditionally when it came to our real estate journey. So kind of, you touched on that a little bit in your first dialogue. Can you elaborate further? Yeah, yeah. So the first thing was that we bought, as I mentioned earlier, half of what the bank of, uh, had approved us for, mm-hmm. which all of our family and friends were like, why? Yeah. You know, my, our, our parents in particular were like, but you could buy some, so much more. Why would you buy just a, a townhouse? And at the time, I wasn't telling my family that I was thinking about leaving my job because you try to tell your Asian parents that you're leaving your very <laughs> corporate, stable job. Yeah. Like, that's just not a conversation that's going to go well. Yeah. So we knew that in the back of our minds. Uh, like I said, we also went on a 10-year mortgage versus a 30-year mortgage, which allowed us, you know, fast forward a few, la- few years later, we paid off that house in four years yeah. instead of yeah. 30 years. And that really snowballed the effect of us being able to grow our net worth significantly. But when we bought our second home, which is the one that we stayed in for almost eight years, it was ugly. <laughs> and uh, and not ugly like it was a complete disaster. Like sometimes you watch these HGTV shows and it's like, okay, obviously you would renovate that place. Sure. But the layout was really funky. And we even had a friend who went through it and he basically was just like, this house is weird. <laughs> it is so weird because it had a, what is that called? Like an in-law suite that was built onto it kind of after the original and it kind of didn't match. Tacked on in the back. Tacked on in the back. And so the master bathroom like had two entrances going into it and it like connected the house. Like it was, it was, it was very strange. And then we had a half bathroom that was attached to the full bathroom that like just like went through. It was two toilets, one bathroom. (laughs) Yeah, Literally it was like two toilets next to each other. It was very strange. Right. But because we knew it was strange, we knew that a lot of people wouldn't really want that house. Sure. And so originally it was listed for like 265. Mm. And we went in with an offer of like 230. Mm-hmm. And they ended up coming back at like 235. And that's how we closed. Oh. And we closed fast yeah. too because they weren't they getting need, a lot of offers. They needed to get rid of the home. Yeah. But it was in a great location. It was in a growing neighborhood, like you said. It was a neighborhood that a lot of people hadn't really figured out about yet. And then uh, we also took a look around, you know, what schools were around, even though we don't have kids who are like, well, next buyers, huge, huge. It's important to figure that out. And so uh, we ended up buying that home for a lot less than what we would have thought. And then we ended up, uh, we sold the house in 2021 and we ended up selling it for almost double. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you? Okay, so for us, Joe was a real estate agent whenever we really started getting into the mode of being in our real estate journey. And so the benefit on that side is you get to keep all the commission that you would have paid to right. the agent, right? Mm-hmm. The other beauty of it was we always bought new. So when you buy new, you don't have two agents on both sides of the equation. You're in most cases dealing with one or dealing with none. And so we were just really able to keep a lot more of our own money First getting into our first home, selling that first home, and then getting into the second, right? And, you know, Joseph still, you know, has his real estate license today. He still gets referral money off of that license. Yeah. Money. So it's kind of this passive income stream for us that's really continued to snowball over time. The other thing that, like I mentioned, was we always bought new. And we bought new with the evaluation of, you know, in the city that we were in, very much growing because of tech. We didn't have to worry about too much maintenance. Right. Because it was new. 
And if we decided, let's say five years versus 10 years of being in the home to sell it, there was still some level of warranty, right? With certain aspects of the home. Plus when you're in a new home, anything that happens in the first year, you just call the builder and they take care of it. Yeah. And so that was always a really good thing for us because we're not fixer upper. We're not a fixer upper couple. Mm -hmm. Like we look at all these places, even here in Portugal that have great potential, but it'd be like pulling teeth to get me to do something like that. My mom is is definitely that type of person. I don't have the eye for it and I don't have the patience for it. And I know that about myself, right? So I'm not going to put myself in that type of position. We paid off our house early. We paid it off early because we had a very specific, I guess, I'd say circumstance in front of us that allowed us to do so. So when we got married, we took out credit card or like we took out, we, we paid, it for, paid for it with a credit card. Mm-hmm. And I swore to myself that I would never be in a position to have to put money on a credit card at that magnitude, like $1,000 ever again. So that was in 2015. And by the time it was 2018, then 2021, we had been saving and saving and saving because I had this like mantra between Joseph and I, like we were just going to save all our money. And while I was investing in my 401k, I wasn't necessarily putting all that other saved money into the market. I was just saving it in a an account. Mm-hmm. And so the 360K that we had left on the mortgage, I ran some scenarios on what, like, why would we want to pay this off? What's the opportunity cost? Of course, the interest that we would have saved. We weren't really thinking that we were going to get out of the home as quickly as we did after this decision, but we went ahead and put part of half a million dollars towards the 360. And we uh-huh. just it off. But what that did for us the two years after that is Everything we made in rental income was income. Was with the exception totally of the taxes, income. right? Yes, yes. And so, you know, when you think about amortization schedules on loans and interest, you're paying majority of the interest that you're going to pay for the lifetime of that loan up, up front, front, right? Mm-hmm. And so even though we weren't going to be in that home for 30 years, we were paying the majority of the interest in those first five to 10 years, which is ridiculous when you look at it on paper. Mm-hmm. And so that was a piece I was like, I'm just tired of paying anybody else money besides myself. And it was incredibly liberating to get rid of all of our debt, but it just allowed everything to snowball after mm-hmm. that. And I would say the last thing was just, you know, now that we're looking at where we're looking at here, we just have this like very specific eye for what we want. And we know where we are and where we aren't going to compromise. And so we're just really good at rationalizing, I think, at this point between the decision making. and Yes. Like, Using data to just take some of the emotion out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think by staying to that, you just don't allow yourself to get, you know, have your eyes too big. Yeah. You can really afford. And being here in Portugal right now with the way that the market is, I just, I can't believe what people are paying for, for, for homes right now. Right. So we're in a big holding pattern right now. And that's mm. why we're renting. Mm. That's actually the next segue to what we were talking about on this episode. So interestingly enough, even though... Joseph and Steph and me and AJ are millionaire couples Mm -hmm. and we can afford to buy a home. We're all renting right now. Mm -hmm. Now, yours might seem a little bit more quote unquote obvious since you you just, you moved to Portugal a year ago. And like you said, it's in the holding pattern. But what was that shift like to go from, you know, having that home in Texas, which we know like Texas loves Texas. Texas loves Texas. I love big things. I love big things. This 2,600 square foot home that we kind of miss. Yeah. And then now you're in Portugal. And about how much is this square footage? And how did that? 900 square feet now for a family. Really? It doesn't feel that. It feels like it's bigger than that. It's 90 square meters. So it's around 900 square feet. Wow. They've done a really good job with the layout of this place, which in my opinion is very rare. Mm -hmm. Most places in Portugal, if they're still traditionally built, 
they're very modularized. So like the kitchen would be one whole room. Ah, uh, yeah, it's pretty open here. And they opened up this place to really make it work. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And so you and I talked a little bit off camera about sure. your journey and trying to even look for a place in yeah. Portugal. And so y'all are deciding to still rent for another year. Yeah, at least another year. And I think it's a couple of things. And, and you kind of mentioned like where you guys bought for your second home and like you kind of had your eye on what the potential for that area was, but not everybody else saw that. Mm-hmm. That's because you knew of the area enough to be able to make that decision. And quite frankly, we just don't know enough about different areas in Portugal to feel confident enough to go buy a home. Right. That's one, right? Mm-hmm. So I keep telling people, it's not like I'm in Austin slash Georgetown, Texas, and I know I've, I've lived there since 2002. Mm-hmm. We just moved here last year, right? right? So we still have a lot to learn about the area. We still have a lot to learn about different schools now that we have two kids to consider. I think last year, prices of homes increased over 19% here in the broader Portugal area, primarily Lisbon and Cascais, which is where we are now. Mm-hmm. And we just really feel like the flexibility is good for the season that we have in our lives. You, you mentioned this to me, I think the other day when we were at dinner, you're like, you have a lot going on. And we do. Yes. Like, I mean, just to give it credit, like we really do. And the a lot going on, it all plays off of each other. And so like, if we make a decision off of a home, it has implications on a school. There's a ripple it effect. All of these things. And so we've made so much progress with our financial journey it makes absolutely no sense to be like, oh, well, we made it and then blow it up for one decision. Right. right? And I think that's been probably one thing that we just have to continue to ground ourselves in and give ourselves some time, give ourselves some patience. We just need another room. That's all we need. (laughs) I need one more room. And if I can get some type of garden for my kids to run around, I'd be a happy woman. Yeah. I didn't fully uh, appreciate that until I met her kids the other night. And Ben was literally running from yes. one side to the room. I was like, okay, I see why. Yes. I mean, there's only so much space. And it's like, I had a backyard. Mm-hmm. And I know that my parents probably survived with three kids because we had a backyard. And so we find ourselves getting out a lot. And we need to do, and most families do here. But we're also content creators. And we use our home you know, as our office. And so we're in our living room right now recording this. Mm-hmm. And we normally are in a small corner in our bedroom. So yeah. we just need more space. Yeah, yeah. And I would say for me, so AJ and I, we bought that first home in 2013. We ended up selling it in 2018. And we used the money from that to pay off our second home. Mm-hmm. And so similar to you and AJ, actually, I forget sometimes, but AJ also has a real estate license. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's been super helpful. We have, we've been able to do the closings and stuff ourselves. But interestingly, we paid off that second home and we sold that first home to his younger brother, oh, wow. which also knocked out a bunch of other things that we had to worry about in terms of putting it on the market and everything. And then when we sold the second home, we had been living, we had already downsized to a condo out in Asheville, which is about two and a half hours away Mm -hmm. outside of Charlotte. And that's when we realized, uh, you know what? We actually, for me and AJ, we don't have kids. We don't have dogs. We call ourselves like the dink wops now and said like <laughs> deal income, no kids with a plant. We, we only have one plant. plant. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably gonna be dead by the time I get back <laughs> from Portugal. And uh, we realized, you know what? Actually for us, all we need is a two bedroom because it's just the two of us. And I do content creation as well, but the second bedroom is for me yeah. essentially. And AJ actually enjoys being outside and going to like cafes or to our co-working space that's Working in our building. In yeah, he enjoys yeah. that. And so we decided to sell all of the, we had three different real estate properties over the last 
almost decade and yeah. we sold all of it yeah. and we went back to renting it and everybody thought we were crazy, mm-hmm. especially people who knew us from when we paid off that second home. And to be honest, I had a little bit of anxiety around it because I was literally in, there was news articles about how this couple paid off $300,000, including their house. And now we're selling the house. Like yeah. that was the that, dream. That was, that was the exact same thing that happened to us. Like, and not because we had these articles, yeah. but it was like, we would tell people that's what we did. And we were like, but we sold it. You know, I don't know what else to say besides it was the right thing for us yeah. at the right time. And you were still able to take advantage of the opportunity that was in front of you. So oh, absolutely. And it, it, we happened to sell in 2021 where the market was really, Same. really crazy, Same. right? And so now we've been renting for a year. We're going on to our second year mm-hmm. of renting. We thought about buying and we, we've been doing our research. So we, the first Sunday of every month, we go just do open houses. It's oh, like that. It's kind of like our date. We love doing that. Right? Yes. We would get brunch, and then we would just like go to these random open houses yes. and just see what's going on. And similar to what you were saying about Portugal, like in Charlotte, houses that used to be maybe 600, 700K are now for over a million dollars. And AJ and I even talked about, well, you know, for the next year, we're, we're going to stay in Charlotte mm-hmm. in, in terms of a home base. But we're traveling so much this year. Yeah. Like we're here in Portugal with you and we're going to South Africa and I'm going to France and all of these different places and the flexibility that renting has provided us. And then also knowing that if something happens, something breaks, like we can just call somebody sure. and get it fixed. I forgot how nice that was because yeah. we've been owning for almost a decade. Yeah. So one of the things that has been most interesting in our journey is that I never thought at 37 and almost uh, 13 years into marriage that we would be renting yeah. at this point because you're supposed to be settled down. Sure. And actually it's been amazing. Yeah. You know, I think as you start to look at real estate from the standpoint of a math equation and not so much emotional anymore and like what it meant mm-hmm. you know, in terms of what people told you growing up, you look at real estate in general all the time as an opportunity. So you have your eyes open all the time. You're constantly talking to people about real estate all the time. Every time you travel, you're like dabbling in like, what is real estate like here? And it keeps it fun. It keeps it spicy, but it keeps you really thinking about different ways of how to really approach the overall equation when it comes to real estate. And so we thought about buying in Bali last summer. We still have an idea of what we would like to do and how we might even invest in that way. We would love to invest in rental property here, but more so when it's the right property, the right location, the right time, we're more familiar. And so we know that real estate is going to play some type of role at some point in the future. We're just not going to sacrifice all of the progress because of an emotional decision Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And Mm so yeah, there's tons of stuff that you can learn about real estate. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's, I think what's different about our scenario right now too, I think with both of us is that we have money sitting on the sidelines Mm -hmm. So that if there was an opportunity that was like mm-hmm. the opportunity, you know, there's not a lot we have to do in terms of like moving things around sure. financially. Sure. And so that's one of the biggest takeaways that AJ and I even took away, which like we we had this conversation the other day, which is like, can you imagine like 10 years ago, we were like, oh my gosh, how are we going to come up with a 20% down? Yeah. Yeah. On a $100,000 home, which was 20K yeah. at the time, which was a lot of money. And now we're like, well, we could buy a 500K place in cash. Yeah. And that's wild to us still, right? And so for those of you who are, you know, maybe on that earlier part of that journey where you're thinking like, oh my gosh, that's a lot for a down payment and all that stuff. Like some of these non-traditional things that we talked about in real estate might be able to afford you, you know, the opportunity to buy exactly what you want. Sure. 
uh, with a lot less headache, I think. Yeah. And there's so many programs. I will say this just because there is a program that allows you to get in like with a cheaper down payment or whatever, doesn't mean you just go jack up the house price that you're, you're able to quote unquote afford, right? It's not just about the monthly payment. There's so many things I think that surround the real decision around, you know, choosing to buy a home, but there's really great ways to allow people to get into, you know, starting their real estate journey through whether it be their primary home or passively to an extent, because mm-hmm. even renting is not passive. Oh, yeah. Right? We should probably have an entire episode about just about that. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, tons of, you know, other expenses that go into that. But, you know, there's still a lot of, I think, due diligence that you want to do when making the decision. The one thing for us right now, I'll close with this, is once you're debt-free, it's really hard to fathom the idea of taking on a mortgage account. Oh, yeah. That's probably been the biggest thing for me, not so much for Joseph. But yeah, it's the thing that I'm going to have to really, I think, face when we decide whatever we're going to do when it comes to our next home purchase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at least, you know, you have you have that foresight of what it was like to be debt-free on the other yeah. side of it, right? So even if you do decide to get into mortgage, like knowing what the path is, sure. this time around, it's going to be a lot different. And yeah. so, well, we're both coaches and we want these episodes to be practical yeah. for folks. And so what would you say if you had to pick you know, particular calls to action for the audience listening today, what would you want them to take away from this? Yeah. So like on that question around like, do I take on this debt? Do I not take on this debt? Or do I pay down my house earlier or not and take that money to invest in the stock market? I get that question from my clients all the time. And so because of all the questions, I did create part in my mini course, a debt effectiveness section. And that really just helps you not only understand the avalanche method around paying down debt and how to organize your debt and be as effective with it in terms of paying down the debts that are the highest interest rate, the ones that are bleeding more money out of your pocket. But there's also a debt scenario planner that allows you to use a couple of calculators to just put down two or three scenarios. Can you spare another $50 a month, another $500 a month to pay this thing down earlier? Or if you're thinking about getting into a mortgage, go into that situation, eyes wide open about the scenarios that are in front of you and really look at the data so that you can marry that along the emotional decision that you're probably navigating. So you can find the free mini course in the link in the show notes, and you can find it where you, wherever you find me on social. I love that. And for me, I would say you can check out my guide. It's at crushyourmoneygoals.com slash free guide. And the reason I'm asking you to take a look at that guide is because I want women like you to be able to start socializing the idea like there are other ways to go about these financial decisions. And like Steph said, it doesn't have to be, you know, there's definitely always going to be some emotion tied to it, yeah. but starting to train your brain to think about, well, how can I look at a decision like buying real estate, like paying off a mortgage early, like moving to Lisbon, yes. Portugal, How? what's the financial ripple effect like you talked about, and just starting to train your brain to think about how that might affect, you know, your entire quality of life, not just this one particular decision. So check out the guide. And we just so appreciate you guys listening to today's episode. And stay tuned for more on Crush Your Money Goals. This season is the Women's Wealth Effect. Good talking to you. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crush Your Money Goals Season 6, The Women's Wealth Effect. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast. Your feedback helps us spread the wealth of knowledge to more women like you. If you'd like to work with me to help you create clarity, control, and confidence with your financial independence journey, you can snag my free early retirement planner at womenswealtheffect.com. 
com forward slash planner. And if you'd like to work with me to kickstart your financial freedom plan, you can grab my free guide on the 10 money tools you need right now at crushyourmoneygoals.com slash free guide. Stay tuned for the next episode.